All right, once again, good morning. Can I have you turn with me in your Bibles to the Gospel of John, chapter 15? If you know thus, welcome. We are studying God, the Gospel of John here in, at Calvary on Sunday mornings, and uh, we're just going to finish a, um, a series that comes out of uh, this chapter, uh, the uh, Gospel of John, chapter 15. It's called uh, the Vine and Branches series, and let's just pick it up in verse 1, where Jesus said, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. You are, all, you are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered, and they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it, will, it shall be done for you. Uh, by this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. Now, obviously, as we read these verses, the core principle, the core principle of this entire passage on bearing fruit in the Christian life is that of abiding in Christ. Abiding in Christ. It's the heart of the passage. It's the secret uh, to everything in the Christian life. As I said last week, abiding in Christ is all about love, a deep, abiding love relationship with Jesus. Uh, we think of spiritual disciplines. They're important, but that's really not at the heart of what we're talking about, okay? Uh, you know, it, it's really all about our love for Jesus. Uh, when we are in love with Jesus, then, you know, we're going to want to spend time in the Word. We're going to want uh, to talk to Him in prayer, go to church, um, tell others about Him. But it's our love for Him that's going to motivate these things. And without the love, you can have the activities. But as we studied last week, we touched on Revelation 2, uh, verses 2 through 5, just briefly. Uh, you can have all the other things going. You can be serving the Lord to the point of exhaustion. Uh, you could be reading your Bible, you know, four hours a day and all these things. But if it's not motivated by a deep love for Jesus, He rejects it all. Uh, it's just empty spiritual activities. This is how important this is. Um, look, the activities and responsibilities and disciplines of the Christian life don't result in us abiding. They actually flow from us abiding in Christ. They're the fruit of our relationship. This is what he's talking about. Uh, if you abide in me, if you have this deep love connection with me, you're saved, of course, first and foremost, uh, and all of that, then everything else starts to grow. All the fruit of the Spirit, all the things God wants to do in your life. It's amazing. Uh, look at verse, uh, verse 5 quickly. Uh, Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. Uh, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. Without me you can do nothing. The fruit is a natural consequence of abiding in Christ. Look, the Christian life is a very simple thing. It's all about loving Jesus, making him our first love, and allowing everything in our lives revolve around him. That's what it is. One pastor had this to say on the subject. He said, and I quote, It's about loving Jesus totally, loving him sacrificially, loving him obediently, loving him worshipfully, 
loving him with our service. It's all about loving Jesus. That's what it means to be a Christian, end quote. And yet, for the most part, modern Christianity, at least in our country, has all but lost this perspective. Many Christians today put themselves at the center of their Christian experience, and then it becomes all about what God is going to do for me, how much God loves me, what God's going to give to me. It's as if they believe that God's whole purpose for existing is to bless their life and to do everything in his power to make them happy. But Jesus said, and you have to turn to these, there's too many, but Jesus said in Mark 12:30, here's what you need to do. Love God, you love God, me love God, with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind, and with all our strength. That's our responsibility, right? Jesus said in John 14, 15, if you love me, keep my commandments. See, everything flows from love, which happens as we abide. It's all connected, okay? Uh, John 15, verses 9 and 10. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. You know, Throughout the history of the church, there have been some that have stood out, uh, you know, that really exemplify a life of devotion, commitment, service for the Lord. Uh, one of these was missionary David Brainerd, who was a missionary to uh, Native Americans in this country. Let me read you what one author had to say about uh, David Brainerd. Uh, he said, and I quote, every, every now and then we meet someone or read about someone who has uh, who has had that close personal relationship with Christ. David Brainerd, the missionary to Indians, Native Americans in this country, was such a man. He suffered from what was then called consumption. We know it today as tuberculosis. He would travel to the Indians by horseback, and sometimes he would have a convulsion, vomit blood, become unconscious, and fall off his horse. He would lie in the snow, and when that happened, his horse learned to stay right there. When he regained consciousness, he would crawl back onto his horse and be on his way to preach to the Indians. As he went, he would cry out, Lord Jesus, I have failed you, but you know that I love you. The author says he had that close, intimate relationship with Christ, end quote. Now, this is the difference between what we see in so many Christians today. It's all about God serving them in some way. Here's a man whose whole life was devoted to Christ. And not a healthy man. He died at 29. But boy, does he have rewards in heaven. But uh, this is a man whose whole life was Jesus. He's talking about abiding in Christ every single day. And although it wasn't easy, uh, an easy life, God used him in a, an amazing way. Uh, guys, this abiding love keeps us in fellowship with Jesus. Uh, it keeps everything we do for him motivated by love, not by fear or obligation or even selfish ambition. Um, as I was studying for this uh, series, I found the story of another gentleman who was a pastor for many years. I'll read it to you. It goes back a little ways, but uh, it says, uh, Henry Francis Light was of delicate health all of his life, but he didn't let that stop him from working like an ox for the Lord. Year after year, pastoring among the seafaring folks around Devonshire, England. 
but finally his strength gave out. And in 1847, his doctor suggested he moved to the milder climate of southern France. It was a heartbreaking parting, and Light couldn't leave without one final sermon to his church of 24 years. His health was so frail that his friends advised against it, but Light was determined. Standing feebly, he said, and I'm quoting him, O brethren, I stand here before you today as alive from the dead, if I may hope to impress upon you and get you to prepare for that solemn hour which, which must come to all of us, death, of course, I plead with you, become acquainted with the changeless Christ and his death. The author goes on, after finishing his sermon, he served the Lord's Supper to his weeping flock and dismissed them. That evening, as his life's work drew to its close, he found, he found comfort in pondering John 15, Abide in me, and I in you. According to his gardener, Light wrote the following hymn after having walked down to the ocean and watched, as he put it, the sun setting over Brixham Harbor like a pool of molten, molten gold. Taking out a piece of paper, he wrote a poem and returned to his study to rewrite and polish it before giving it to his adopted daughter. The next day, he left for France. Reaching Nice, he had a seizure and passed away with the words on his lips, joy and peace. His poem, however, lived on, becoming one of the most beloved hymns of all time. Some of it goes like this. Abide with me, fast falls the evening tide. The darkness deepens, Lord, with me abide. When other helpers fail and comforts flee, help of the helpless, oh, abide with me, end quote. Now, it's beautiful, right? But I think it's backwards. I think it's backwards. As beautiful as those words are, Really, the plea to abide is never directed at the vine, at Christ. It's always directed at the branches, us, okay? The gentle, heartfelt plea of our Savior to us is always abide in me as I abide in you. He's always abiding in us. He said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. The unfaithfulness to abide is always at our doorstep, never his. So, as we now finish this series, uh, last week we looked at the practice of abiding. This morning I want to look at just one of the points and we'll close the principles, first of all, of abiding. The principles of abiding. Now, this is just some basic stuff to kind of wrap things up, uh, some practical uh, instruction and so on. But uh, the first principle of abiding is to enter into an abiding relationship with Jesus, I must believe it's possible through faith. Guys, everything in the Christian life is by faith, right? Galatians 2.20, Paul said, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live. I don't live my life now. This life I, I live for God, not me, he said. But Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Listen to what Paul said uh, in Colossians 2, verse 6. As you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. So the question is, how did you receive Jesus? Uh, how did you get saved? By faith. Now that you're saved, how do you live your Christian life? Oh, hard work and determination. <laughs> Wrong. That's what a lot of us think. Paul says, as you have received Christ and gotten saved, now so walk in him. It's a, it's a walk of faith. It's a walk of... You have to, if you don't 
understand that and really come to in your heart acknowledge and surrender to the idea that I can't live the Christian life. It's a supernatural life. Uh, I, you know, it's, it's, it's not, I'm going to try harder. No, God says abide longer. Don't try harder. Abide longer. Because the more you abide in Christ, the more his strength will be upon you and his life will be lived through you. But it's a supernatural life. And if you think you can do it in the energy of your flesh, you're going to live a very defeated, discouraging, depressing life for Christ. But you're trying to do what only he can do. You're trying to do that, and only God can live his life through you, right? In Ephesians chapter 3, verses 17 and 19, Paul said, you know, my prayer is that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Now, of course, these folks were saved in Ephesus. Um, but he's talking about something more than salvation faith, that Christ would live a vibrant uh, life through us. And that happens by faith. That you being rooted and grounded in love, see, there it is again, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. It's all about faith. Trusting Christ to live his life through us. Trusting the Lord to, uh, to, to, to keep us at a place where we can abide in him, you know, supernaturally. Um, again, Andrew Murray, we're quoting him a lot because he wrote that phenomenal book of Abide in Christ, which I hope you get a copy. He's a great author. He said, and I quote, We speak of a man's home as his abode. Our abode, the home of our soul, is to be the love of Christ. We are to live our life there to be at home there all the day. This is what Christ means uh, our life to be and really can make it. Uh, he can make it happen. Uh, our continuous abiding in the vine is to be an uplifting, is, is to be an abiding in his love. You have probably heard or read or of what uh, some have called the higher life, the deeper life, the richer, the fuller life, the life abundant. He said you, uh, and you possibly know that uh, some have told you of a wonderful change uh, by which their life of continual failure and stumbling had been changed into very, a very blessed experience of victory and uh, strength and exceeding gladness. Uh, if you ask them, how, what happened to you? You know, you're so different as a Christian. Um, they would tell you it's this blessing that came to them as they were informed that this life is available. Uh, but it's by faith that we trust Christ to live his life through us. And when people surrender to that, all of a sudden the Lord Jesus takes over. And the transformation is remarkable. And uh, he goes on to say, um, uh, uh, but he says that uh, they were led to believe that this abiding in Christ's love was meant to be a reality. And that they were made willing to give up everything for it. And then enabled to trust Christ to make it true to them, end quote. Um, such an important point, all right? Uh, now, look, we still have a practical part in our abiding in Jesus. Again, uh, John 15, 4, Jesus said, Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. One author said, Many believers pray and long very earnestly for the filling of the Holy Spirit and the indwelling of Christ, 
and wonder that they do not make, uh, they have not made more progress. The reason, the author says, is because of this. The INU, verse 4, the INU cannot come because the abide in me is not maintained, end quote. Abiding in me, and then everything else takes from there, all right? All right, so just to recap, uh, under uh, point number four, principles of abiding, first of all, to enter into an abiding relationship with Jesus, I'm, I must believe it's possible through faith. And then number two, to enter into an abiding relationship with Jesus, you know, I must spend quality time with him. These are not, you know, it's not rocket science, right? This is just so basic, but we often forget the basics. But if I'm going to abide in Jesus, that means I've got to spend quality time with him. Yes, I still abide when I go off to work and I'm doing whatever I'm doing throughout the day. If I get a shop or groceries or whatever it might be, yeah, uh, you can still abide in Christ then too. But, uh, you know, you really need to have that quiet quality time to really uh, get yourself in that place of abiding. But uh, first of all, under that point, set aside some time that you can be alone when things are quiet. When things are quiet. Now, that's not always possible, but if you can find a quiet time during the day, uh, do it, right? As I like to read biographies of, of great Christians of the past, most all of them, not all 100%, but most all of them um, liked to, to do devotions in the morning to start their day, to start their day. You'll find this all the way through the Psalms, right? Psalm 5, verse 3, My voice you shall hear in the morning, O Lord. In the morning I will direct it to you and will look up. Psalm 88, verse 13, but, you, but to you I have cried out, O Lord, and in the morning my prayer comes before you. Use this time to just get along with the Lord. All right? Um, and as you do, talk with him. You know, pray. Um, read and meditate on his word. Uh, it's always handy to keep a notepad. Uh, near you to write down uh, insights or some things God might be speaking to you about uh, to meditate on and pray about throughout the day. That's helpful. Number two, when you read the word, don't race through it. Don't race through it. One author said, when you read the Bible, receive and savor it like food. Yeah, gourmet food, not fast food. Receive and savor it like food, like a treasure like a love letter from God to you. Ponder what you have read and apply it to your present circumstances. Let it go down into the core of your being. And as you read, expect him to commune with you. Paul advised in Colossians 3.16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. You got to meditate. You got to savor it. Okay. Number three, under, you know, spending quality time with Jesus, if you're going to abide. When you spend time with the Lord, talk and listen to him like a person, like a person. So often we treat the Lord, maybe not you guys, but there are those who do. So often people treat the Lord like an object we talk at instead of a person we talk with and listen to. The goal of the Christian life, guys, is to build a relationship with a person, not a force, not an essence, as some like to think of God, you know, in some nebulous terms, right? Uh, this is about building a relationship with a person who loves you deeply and has given his life for you. Uh, talk to him the way you would talk to a friend. Jesus said that uh, to his disciples. I don't talk, you know, I, I'm calling you friends now, uh, and so on. 
um, but tell him your fears and your concerns and whatever upcoming decisions you have and you know thank him praise him for his answers you all know philippians 4 verse 6 where paul says don't worry about anything but instead pray about everything tell god what you need and thank him for all he has done first peter 5 7 casting all your care upon him for he cares for you and the greek is anxieties anxieties casting all your anxieties upon him for he cares for you all right number four keep a daily written record of what god is doing in your life this is a you know if you can be disciplined enough to do it it's a wonderful thing to do right uh we're not talking about a daily diary um one author pointed out it's it's more along the lines of a personal journal say well what is the difference i'm not quite sure um but i think journal sounds a little more spiritual but it does kind of goes along with journey right journey you're you're journaling a journey i think that's where the word probably came from and uh but what you do is this is a, a diary you talk about anything oh i met some guy in the subway today oh i'm just he was so wonderful this is something you exclusively belongs to god about your relationship with god okay um but when you when you open your journal uh write down personal struggles disappointments victories uh you know maybe uh, god lays a prayer in your heart to pray write that down um you know anything related to your walk with god this is something that christians of old really had down pat uh, when we went to williamsburg you know about 15 years ago the kids were young uh, we went to uh, colonial williamsburg maybe some of you have been there and uh and so they have a street like it was back in the colonial days and they've got the apothecary shop and they've got different things right different shops well we there's and they take you as a tour and try to get you to understand what life was like in colonial days right and so we went into this printing shop that's where i learned why they're called uppercase letters because they were actually kept in the uppercase they were block letters they pull out put into a and printing press right so they were the capital or what we call uppercase right i didn't know that uh so the little thing you and but but the guy asked us he said what do you think was the most purchased book in those days well i raised my hand i know the answer the bible close the the most bought book in those days was a book of blank pages because they were always journaling John Adams didn't miss one entry for 24 years in his journal. Um, these people were close. Well, they didn't have TV. They didn't have a lot of distractions that keep us from doing this kind of stuff. But they were better off for it because they, they commune with God. Uh, you have to work a little harder, but you can do it. It's not going to come as easy with all the distractions we have, but it can be done, okay? Um, again, write down your prayers, and later how God has answered them, how God has answered them. So to recap, the principles of abiding, uh, first of all, believe it's possible through faith. Secondly, make, get some quality time alone with Jesus uh, every day, right? Uh, and then number three, to, to maintain an abiding relationship with Jesus, I need to learn to dwell in his presence all day. This is, a, uh, this is important. We tend to think, well, it's you know, when I get home, I'll abide a little bit or, you know, or, you know, at church maybe. Um, the secret 
to the abiding life is to try to do it all day long. You know, as Paul, remember when he said, Praise without, pray without ceasing, right? Okay. Um, one busy mom named Annie shared how she accomplishes this. She said, and I quote, I'm putting away groceries and the kids are tearing through the house with bags over their heads, screaming. I can be a little frazzled, but inside I'm saying, Jesus, you are here with me, in me, around me. Thank you for the food. Thank you for the noisy kids. Uh, you know, I'm not always successful at this, but I try to take Jesus with me wherever I go. We keep each other constant company, end quote. Well, that's just bringing the Lord into your daily life. Being conscious of when he's with you. The more conscious you are of him being with you, the less you're going to want to just maybe go off, go off and do something you shouldn't do. Okay? Paul did say in Acts chapter 17, verse 28, in him we live and move and have our being. You've got to remind ourselves of that. All right. Number five, overcoming barriers to abiding. First of all, realize that abiding is not based on feelings. This is a big one, okay? This goes along with anything in our Christian life. Realize abiding is not based on feelings. Abiding, is, as I just said, is an act of faith. Believing that God loves you and wants to spend time with you. And believing that, as James promised us, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Oh, but I don't feel it. It's by faith. It's by faith, right? So often we believe. That if I spend time with God and don't feel his presence, or if I don't have an emotional rush of some type, that God hasn't shown up, that he wasn't there with me, or that my relationship with him is possibly defective. Everyone else is getting feelings. Well, no, they're not. Yeah, we think that. Everyone's walk is better than mine. You know, everyone's having this great devotional time with God, and here I can't even get my prayers that go past the ceiling, right? You have to trust in those moments that God is with you. He's promised to be with us always, right? It's very important. One author put it this way, or I, and I was going to say that after a few days, people get discouraged. They don't feel something. And so they, they say, you know, abiding didn't work for me. That's sad. The devil shuts down a lot of people because of feeling, right? One author said, and I quote, We understand this in our marriages and other significant friendships. My love for my wife is constant, but my feelings for her are far different during an argument than they are during a candlelight dinner. We don't measure the depth of our relationship by our feeling at any particular moment, end quote. Good advice. Just understanding that one principle can revolutionize your time with the Lord. All right. Second point under that main point, understand that abiding is impossible without obeying Jesus. Some people think that they have a good relationship with the Lord, and yet they're living in sin. They have deceived themselves into thinking that they're fine with God. Now, as a pastor, I know what they're into. And it's my responsibility to tell them, I get news for you, your life with God is not fine. It's not fine. You're living with your boyfriend, or you're living with your girlfriend. Oh, but we're in church all the time. We love each other. We'll get married someday. Yeah, but right now you're not married. And you're living in sin. And so don't deceive yourself into thinking that everything's great with you and the Lord because you've got feelings you've whipped up. John 15, 10, Jesus said, If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, 
just as I've kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. The, the main idea, we've defined this last time, but the main idea behind abiding is remaining with, staying close to. And of course, the context is Jesus, right? You can't stay close to Jesus if you are walking in sin because that's going in the opposite direction of where Jesus is going. He's not going with you in sin, right? Mary said in John 10, 27, my sheep, uh, I, my sheep he said, uh, hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. You're not following wherever Jesus is going. He's not going towards sin, that's for sure. Um, you're not right with him. You need to walk in obedience if you're going to enjoy ongoing abiding in this deep relationship. All right, I'll give you one more main point, and then we'll close. Uh, number six, the benefits of abiding. There's a lot of benefits to abiding in Christ every day. First of all, abiding helps us to sense the leading of the Lord. You want to be sensitive to the Spirit? Then abide in the Lord every day, right? I mean, through, through abiding, I develop ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to me, and I learn to hear and recognize that still small voice of God. Remember? Uh, you know, was Elijah, uh, Mount Carmel, and I'm not going to get into it. <laughs> Sorry I brought it up. But, uh, you know, it, it was, you know, he, he had to really listen for God to speak. Uh, we're often looking for dramatic ways for God to speak. Uh, often he's speaking in a still small voice to our heart. And uh, the idea is that if I'm not walking with him and abiding in him, I'm not going to hear his voice. I'm going to be dull of hearing is the idea, right? Um, secondly, abiding helps us tap into all God's spiritual riches and power. Uh, you remember how that in the book of Acts, after the Lord ascended back to the Father and the Spirit was poured out in Acts chapter 2, and they were all filled, the disciples, with the Holy Spirit. And you could tell they were abiding in the Lord every day. He was working through these guys, right? One example in chapter, uh, Acts 4, verse 8, um, says, Then Peter, filled with the Spirit, filled with the Spirit. And it goes on to say, Now when they saw, these, he's, he addressed the leaders of Israel, filled with the Spirit. Now, you know, what is it, uh, 60 days before, uh, when Jesus was being cross-examined by these these leaders of Israel, Peter was outside warming himself by the enemy's fire, denying the Lord three times, right? Now he's filled with the Spirit, goes right in there to these same group of guys and lays a heavy witness on them. It says in verse 13, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that these were uneducated and untrained men, all that means is they hadn't gone to the, the, their university, gotten a degree, right? Um, you know, as the Pharisees had done. But when they realized these guys were not properly educated men, uh, they marveled and realized they had been with Jesus. You want power in ministry? You want to enjoy the, the supernatural power of God to do the work he's calling you to do? Abide in Christ, be with Jesus, and he's going to fill you with his Holy Spirit. Number three, abiding gives us, a, gives us fresh strength for our day and our service. That's why Christians of old like to do it in the morning. Because it gave them the strength uh, and the grace to live for the Lord all day long. Uh, Isaiah 40, verse 31. 
But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like, like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. We need to get our spiritual batteries energized, right? Charged up. Again, John 15, verse 5, I'm the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. We need to be in his presence. You know, Corey Tenbu, most of you uh, know who she was or is. She's with the Lord. She's alive. We'll see her someday. Um, but her whole, they, during World War II, her whole family were godly people, hid Jews to keep them from being killed by the Nazis. Eventually, they were discovered, and they were all sent to concentration camps where they all died. Corey was, uh, was scheduled to be killed, but through a clerical error, they released her. And she walked away a free woman and used the rest of her life just to tell others about Christ, right? But uh, she said, and I'm quoting, talking about abiding, being connected to Jesus on a practical basis every day, connected with him in his love, I am more than a conqueror. Without him, I am nothing. Like some railroad tickets in America, which read, uh, I, she said, uh, I am like those railway tickets, uh, no good if detached. Okay, I'm not going to be much good for God if I'm detached from Jesus. I'm not in fellowship, right? Number four, abiding carries with it the promise of unanswered, excuse me, abiding carries with it the promise of answered prayer. Look at verse seven. You abide in me and my words abide in you. You will ask what you desire and it will be done for you. Can't tell you enough how important it is to abide in Christ, um, to have God's heart. Because when you pray God's heart, things happen, right? I'll give you one more. Under the benefits of abiding, abiding contains within it the promise of great joy. John 15, 11, these things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. Abiding in Christ allows us to experience great joy. Because joy is an attribute of the Holy, is a fruit of the Spirit, which is an attribute of God. When you, when you abide in Christ, the life of the Spirit flows through you, produces fruit through you, but there's that joy, right? There's that joy, that peace, and so on. Psalm 16, verse 11 you will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Give you one more Andrew Murray quote. He said, and I quote, Abiding means going out from everything else to occupy one place and stay there. Come away from all else and set your heart on Jesus. And his love, that love will awake, and on his love, that love will awaken your faith and strengthen it. Occupy yourself with that love, worship it, wait for it. You may be sure it will reach out to you and by its power take you up into itself as, you, as your abode and your home, end quote. All right, look, we're done, but let me just say this in closing. Remember that this whole series has been about bearing fruit. But bearing fruit is something that takes time, and it requires patience. Patience. Didn't James say, chapter 5, verse 7, 
Therefore, be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently for it until it, re until it receives the early and latter rain. So everything in the Christian life is about patience. And of course, certainly bearing fruit is going to take patience. Now, it's not easy for us living in 21st century America uh, because we don't, we're not farmers for the most part. We don't really make a living at growing things. Maybe some of you do. I don't know. But um, we're not used to farming and growing things. Uh, it's hard for us because we live in a culture where everything uh, has become, all of us have become accustomed to getting what we want immediately, right? Immediately. Uh, I mean, with the push of the button, TV comes on immediately, right? I'm, I'm hungry, sticks a plate of food in a microwave, in 30 seconds it's hot. I can eat, okay? Uh, we demand super fast internet speed so that with a click of a mouse, I can go from web page to web page instantly, right? And you can fill in the blanks, everything from instant mashed potatoes to instant coffee, whatever else you want to throw in the mix. We're used to getting stuff fast. I mean, we've gotten used to everything being, look, on demand. That wasn't even a term 10 years ago, I don't think. I looked it up just to make sure I knew what it meant. The dictionary defines it uh, at any time uh, at any time that someone wants or needs something. So our Christian life, we've kind of, it's kind of we want it on demand. Everything God's promised, we want it right now. This mindset has carried over. Damaged a lot of Christians who are so impatient they really don't want to wait for God to work in them the beautiful things he wants to produce. That takes time. We want an immediate return on what, on what we do for God. All right, God, I went to church today. Uh, now will you please answer this prayer and give me these things? And it just doesn't work like that. I mean, uh, you know, it's not instant gratification, not in physical farming. Certainly not in our spiritual lives with regard to sowing and reaping and so on. Let me close with a couple of scriptures, okay? Galatians 6, verse 9. And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we don't lose heart. So I don't know what you're praying about. And I know a lot of folks are praying for unsafe spouses or wayward children. And some of you have been praying for years and you're growing impatient. Jesus said, Luke 18, 1, men, women ought not to, uh, to lose heart, but should always pray and not lose heart. It's hard, though, when you've been praying for something that for a long time and haven't seen any fruit, right? God says, hang in there. Don't grow weary. We're going to reap, all right? Ultimately, our reward's in heaven, but a lot of the prayers you're praying are prayers God wants to hear. Does God want to save your spouse or your, your wayward child? Well, my Bible says God desires for all to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth, right? So that's a prayer that goes along with what he has said. So keep praying. Keep praying. I'll have you turn to this. We'll close. Psalm chapter 1. Psalm 1, I should say. Psalm 1, starting with verse 1. Blessed is the man, of course, or the woman, who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. So if there's a Christian who's hanging out with ungodly people, not good. 
and they're going to hinder, you know, uh, bad company corrupts good morals, right? Get away from those, you know, pray for them, witness to the ungodly, but don't hang out with them, right? Verse 2, but the godly person, his delight is in the law of the Lord, the word of God. And in his law, he meditates day and night. So that's our responsibility, to feed on God's word. Meditate on it, right? Not rush through it, but read it, think on it, meditate, pray. I find myself praying scripture. As I'm reading, uh, and God makes a promise, and I just say, Lord, I, I just claim this promise. It's in your word. Uh, I, I, can I have it in my life? And just different things, you know? He gives us victory over this and that. Lord, I need victory over this or that, you know? I mean, I need to, to get up, and I need to stop watching so much news. That's one of my downfalls. Uh, Lord, I mean, I, give me grace to stop watching so much news and, and, and spend that time in your word, right? And he has helped me with that, by the way. Um, but, but his delight, the godly person, is in the law of the Lord. In his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit, listen, in its season, whatever that fruit is, whose leaf shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. The implication is, though, it's not instantaneous. It's abiding in Christ, staying in the word, uh, loving the Lord, and eventually these things start to grow. Wow, man, I've, I haven't used the cuss word in I don't know how long. What happened there? Well, the Lord's inside redeeming your vocabulary. Uh, I haven't prayed the cigarette and I don't know how long. The Lord is inside working. These things he's doing, but it takes time. Don't lose heart. He's going to give you the victory. But hang in there. So may God give us grace to read these scriptures on, no doubt, one of the most important subjects for the Christian in the Bible. Abiding in Christ and bearing fruit. Guys, it's what it's all about. So I just encourage you to meditate on that. And may, by God's grace, may we do all that Jesus uh, is calling us to do and be. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you, Lord, for just uh, making it possible for us to even be connected to you in salvation. You did the work. You paid the price. And now that we are connected to you and saved, give us grace now, Lord, because the devil wants to peel us away from you. No, we're not going to lose our salvation. But he wants to peel us away from you on a practical level through sin or compromise or carnality of some kind so that we don't really abide where your life is flowing through our life and you're living your life through us, bearing fruit uh, and, and us, us being a light to those in darkness. Lord, give us grace. Uh, the Christian life is not just about being saved. It's about being saved and then serving you. So, Lord, give us grace to apply these things into our lives. And we thank you and we ask you to keep blessing these studies in your word. We ask all this in Jesus' precious name. Amen.